Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today. Hope you're having a great week, enjoying this weather. Again, I'm all about global warming, especially living here in Wisconsin. Wisconsin, right? No? Yes. 62 is nice. And uh, so anyhow, especially in March, but uh, it's uh, great to see you today. I hope you had a good week. Uh, I've had a great week um, for the most part, and so I... uh, (laughs) Went to, uh, my dad turned 70 on Sundays when I got done with the weekend services and we got done with the membership luncheon. I hopped the plane down to Memphis and, uh, and so I have been, uh, well, I, I was back Tuesday night, but man, I had biscuits and gravy Monday morning. I had biscuits and gravy. That's why I'm untucked today. I can't hardly get this button. Biscuits and gravy Tuesday, uh, catfish, you name it. I've had it all. And so I just said, why stop? So, I mean, I had been... Anybody like Taco John's around here? I love Taco John's. That's like one of my favorite places to eat at. So I love their taco burgers and their churros. Wow. So as soon as I landed on uh, Tuesday night, Joey uh, picked me up at the airport. I said, have you eaten dinner? He said, no. I said, good. We're going to Taco John's. So we drove over to Waukesha, Taco John's. I'll help you get there. And I had two uh, taco burgers and a taco because they were 89 cents. I was like, holla, you got to get that. It's cheap, right? A couple of churros and a Diet Coke. Diet Cokes always cancel everything else out. You do understand that, don't you? That's how this works. That's how you get a body like this. Yes. So anyhow, so good week, good week. So today we're continuing our series on the four cups. So if you have your Bible, if you can turn with me to Exodus chapter 6. And then we're going to get into the New Testament and some supporting passages. But Exodus chapter 6, uh, uh, we uh, have been talking about 3,500 years ago, uh, God, uh, under the leadership of Moses, leading the nation of Israel out of bondage from Egypt, from slavery, to freedom, God made promises to his people. And in doing so, um, even to this day, an Orthodox Jewish family at Passover will drink of these four cups and they'll recite these four promises that God gave his people. And in drinking of the cup, it's a symbolism. This is God's promise, and then we are uh, partakers of that promise. And so uh, those four cups then represent those promises of God. Theologians and scholars tell us 1,500 years later uh, in the first century when Jesus was in the upper room, the Last Supper, they were celebrating Passover. Jesus, being an Orthodox rabbi, would have said uh, and would have walked them through these four cups. And so scholars tell us that probably it was a fourth cup. He would have said, do this in remembrance of me. Not because of the fourth cup, but he being the completion, he being the embodiment of all of those promises, he being the fulfillment. John chapter 1 tells us that Jesus is the word made flesh. So the word from Genesis all the way to the book of maps, right? Maps at the back of the Bible? No? Okay. Revelation? Okay, good. Um, right there, he's the fulfillment of all of that. And so when Jesus did that, he, he would have fulfilled that. Um, and that's the reason why we in the Christian faith have communion. It's a symbolism of Jesus Christ coming to this earth, fulfilling every messianic prophecy of the Old Testament, and dying on the cross for our sins and raising back to life, just like the Bible says. And so we do that in remembrance of him. And so as Christians, we have one cup, the communion cup, in which we drink of. And then as, but our uh, Orthodox Jewish brothers would drink a four, symbolizing because they're still awaiting the Messiah. So it, what's interesting is what these four cups symbolize. And so next weekend, we'll go to the fourth cup, and we'll end our service together with the time of communion on Palm Sunday, and then awaiting kind of the beginning of that Holy Week, the Passion Week, if you would, leading up to Easter. 
And so two weeks from this weekend, we celebrate Easter. And I'm telling you, I think the Saturday night service is probably the best of any of the three weekend services that we'll do because it's the first. And so there's a ton of excitement and all of that. And so, again, I hope that you'll be here. I hope that you'll be inviting people. Remember, Easter is different than Christmas and that people are going somewhere to go for Easter weekend for service. But Easter isn't the same date every year like Christmas and so it moves around, and it's actually coming early this year, and the weather's actually helping us in that way. But people, what I'm saying is people are very open to attend. They just need to be invited, and so invite them. Take those little cards that you've been given, uh, the, the uh, invite Easter cards, and invite them to join you in two weeks from today. So, four cups, Exodus chapter 6, verse 6, the Bible says this. Therefore, say to the Israelites, and I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the, the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you, so we're going to talk about today, with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. So there are four promises here that, that represent these four cups. The first cup is based on the promise, I will bring you out, verse 6. So they would call that the cup of sanctification. The second promise, the second cup, is I will free you. That's the cup of deliverance. We talked about that last weekend. The third cup is I will redeem you. That's the cup of redemption. We're going to talk about that today. And the fourth cup, I will take you as my own. The Jews would call that the cup of praise. We're going to talk about that next weekend and then take communion together. So today, cup number three is a cup of redemption. Exodus 6, 6, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm, the Bible says, and with mighty acts of judgment. Now, I think that a majority of Christ followers never get beyond cup number two to get to cup number three. We get saved. We get sanctified. And so we partake of that first cup. We, we follow through with deliverance of saying, God, come in and just and free me and do this in my life. But this cup three talks about redemption. And we don't ever really kind of explore that. And that's what I want to take a few minutes to do today because I think this is a powerful thing in the life of a Christ follower. And I also think that it's something that really in your world and in your life, if you're not living this out, uh, you're not really discovering kind of your purpose and why you're here. That's really what it talks about. So what does the word redeem mean? There's, there's three meanings that we get from this word. First is to buy back or to repurchase. To buy back or to repurchase. Notice it's not an initial purchase, it's a repurchase. God's already purchased us when he made us. But now he wants to buy us back. It's what Jesus Christ does in our life. So when we come into faith in Christ, what happens is God makes us and creates us. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in the message. But then we're born into the sin nature. And because we're not rock'em sock'em robots, because we have free moral choice... You do understand that. You choose. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Period. So the ball's in your court. And when you ask Jesus Christ to come into your life, then God does this redemptive work in you. He has already paid for your sins. He's already paid for your salvation. He's already created you. And so, in, in essence, what he's doing is he is redeeming you from this fallen world. He's redeeming you from your sins. He is repurchasing you, if you would. A second meaning is uh, to redeem means to change for the better or to reform. So it's to an improvement. It's to change for the better or reform. Uh, many people are trying to get the bad out of their lives. 
I just need to quit doing this. I need to stop doing that. I just need to quit saying this. I need to quit going here. I, need to, I just need to stop all of these things. It's a list of don'ts. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but it's more than that. The reality is, is that redeem takes it f- further than that. It's not about don't. It's about do's. See, God created you, and he, he crafted you in such a way, knowing all of your failures, knowing all of your weaknesses, knowing all of your deficiencies, knowing the mistakes you're going to make. God's God. He has no beginning. He has no end. The Bible says in the book of Revelations, he's, he's that which was and is and is to come and forevermore shall be. He's on all-knowing. He's omniscient. So he knows everything. He knows what you've done. He knows what you're doing. He knows what you're going to do. Although that's your choice, he understands the choice that you're going to make. He's not controlling that. He just knows the ultimate outcome. If you're a parent, it's kind of like when you know when your kids, that when you tell them don't with one child, that means don't and they'll stop. But with another child, that just means not now. And so later on, you kind of find out and you just kind of know where the pattern's going to be. God knows And so the reality is, is that instead of focusing on all the things that I don't need to do, what about focusing on the things that I do need to do? And it's not just a different way of viewing it. It's a completely different perspective. Um, And and I'm going to kind of walk that out because I, I think my question to you is, what are you supposed to be doing? I mean, I know you're supposed to stop sinning, right? You're supposed to stop doing all these things. You've got on a list. But what is it that God's called you to do? It's what I call the I am statement. I, Aaron Cole, am created to blank. What am I called to do? What, what am I saying yes to? Right? Because every time I say yes to one thing, I'm saying no to something else. So what is it that God has for me to do? What, what's on the to-do list from God? I know what's on the don't list. I know, I know what's on the, the sin list. I, I know what, what, what throws my rear end in jail. And, 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 right? I know what sends me to hell. I know those things. But what is it that he wants me to do? And is that the same for everybody else? So that's what he means by redemption. When he says that I have come in verse 6, that I will redeem you. I'm going to, to, to purchase you back. I'm going to better you. And the, and the last is I'm going to repair or restore. I love this. Repair, restore. It's like, uh, it's, it's like restoring an old car, if you would. Um, my best friend growing up, his dad would do this on the side, uh, and uh, he would buy cars, and uh, he would repair them. He would restore them is really what he would do. And so my best friend growing up, his first car was a 64 and a half because it was the middle of the year that Ford released the first convertible Mustang. And that was his car when he turned 16. His dad had bought this car, and... Um, and just completely restored this thing. I mean, it was phenomenal. I, I, thinking now as a dad of two teenage daughters, I don't think if I had that vehicle that I would actually give that to my kids to drive. But that's what he did. And, and he would restore. And then, and then they sold that one. And then he got a 67 uh, Chevrolet uh, pickup truck, Midnight Blue. Beautiful. And just he just had this ability to take. And we would see these old cars. They'd come in on a, on a flatbed trailer and they were, they were all types, all bucket of bolts and kind of a deal. And Roger would go in and he would work them and he would sand them and he would fix and repair and replace and would put these things together. And with painstaking time, would begin to restore these cars. What somebody else had completely discarded, he completely restored and redeemed it. And now it became marketable. And it was something that was worth so much more after it came into his possession than it was 
when he first purchases. That's what that means to redeem. That God takes the disrepair of our life. God takes sometimes the, 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 the beater of a car that we are. And he restores it to the original condition. That's something else I want you to get. God restores us to the way he intended us to be. It's not that you're horrible. It's that we're just, we deal with this flawed f- flesh. We, we deal in a fallen world. And, and just understand, we were never created to live this physical body in this existence. You weren't. We weren't. We, we just, we weren't. And so, so when God comes in, he redeems us from the curse, the Bible says. He redeems us from, from, from the curse of sin and death. That's the reason why when Jesus dies on the cross, grave, where's your victory? You know, death, where's your sting? It's all completely taken. Why? Because God redeems us, and so we have eternal life. But it's not just for the sweet by and by. It's for the here and now. And so, 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 so how do you drink from the cup of redemption? Well, I think the key to this, and this kind of goes back to this purpose, uh, this key to this, which I think kind of goes back to this whole I am created to blank statement. The key to this, I think, goes back to this list of do's, not the list of don'ts. It's found in our spiritual gifts. It's found in spiritual gifts. If being redeemed means to restore to the original purpose, then we need to discover our original purpose. Why are you in this room? Why are you on this planet? Why did God bring you to this place? See, I don't believe in fate. I don't believe in happenstance. I don't believe it's just... It just kind of happens, case or ah, you know, whatever. No, 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 no. The Bible says that the steps of a righteous man or woman are ordered of God. Not just known by God, not just understood by God, but they're ordered, which means they're prescribed, right? I will call Pizza Hut tonight, and I will get a, a thin crust. Come on, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Pizza, good. I'm preaching good. I'm hungry, babe. I'm hungry. That Mexican lunch we had today is just over. So I will, I will call them and I will order what I want. And then I will show up expecting to get what I ordered. The Bible says that God orders our steps. He directs our steps. Which, so, so, so what that means is, is that God has a reason and a purpose and why you are here, why you are, are living in southeastern Wisconsin or visiting southeastern Wisconsin or whatever. There, none of this stuff is by happenstance. None of this stuff is just because. We may not understand all the whys. We may not even get all the, all the hows. But what we do know is that our steps are ordered of him. And so this redemption process is about discovering who we are in Jesus, what God's called us to be, what, what he's placed in us. And so God places unique giftings in every single one of you. I have giftings that are different than you. And they're all to be used for God. So check this out. Romans chapter 12, verse 6 is a very simple verse. But it says this. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. Paul talks all in Romans 12 about the various gifts that are given. But he makes a statement that's kind of contingent, that's key. We have different gifts according to the grace that's given to us. That word grace in the original Greek is the word charis, which means it's a divine enablement. It's a divine enablement. It means a gift from God that God decides, that God gives us, that he grants us. That this, it's this gifting from him. Now for me, I, Aaron Colin, created to preach. I'm a preacher, man. This is about as good as I get, right? I don't have a whole lot of gift sets. I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. But I can talk my way just about into anything or or, or out of anything for the most part. And this is it. 
And, uh, and I heard a thing, Jerry Seinfeld did a stand-up piece where he talked about the, you know, the, the number one fear of, of people is public speaking. The number two fear of people is death. And so people would rather be in their casket than giving the eulogy. That's pretty much what that means. And, and so for me, I, I, I do this all the time. This is what I do. I have no problem. And um, by speaking here on this platform or, or speaking in different places, and I get invited to speak from time to time and do different things, and, and I'm honored to do that. But I'm not nervous by that. It's, I'm not off-put by that. I'm not upset by that. It's just this is what I do, and this is my gift. So this is what I am. But there are other giftings. The Bible says, according, in Romans chapter 12, Paul talks about this. There's giftings of administration, business. There's giftings of giving. Did you know that the Bible talks in Romans 12 that Paul says that there are those who have the gift of giving? That's exactly what you think it means. That means they have the ability to, God has given them the ability to resource the kingdom in essence. To do business, to make money, and to give. We don't celebrate that gift very well in the church. Because we use this verse completely out of context. Don't let the left hand know what the right hand's doing. That's not what that means. That means that I shouldn't be braggadocious in what I do. But the same way that I would honor someone for serving and uh, and working in life kids or serving in student life or, or excuse me, life church youth. Or I would, would, would honor someone for, for, for serving in a particular capacity. is no different than someone who exercises the gift of giving. There, there's, there's the gift of evangelism. There are some people that just, we should all be witnesses of who Jesus is and we should all tell our story. But there are some of you, you just have the ability. You can get on an airplane and by the time it lands, the whole plane is saved. I'm not that way. But some of you just have, you have that gift. Um, there's the gift of hospitality. Do you know that the gift of hospitality, when it's used, according to Scripture, releases blessings? So it is a God-given gift for people to stand at the door and to say, Welcome to Life Church. We're glad that you're here. A door greeter, welcome to Life Church. Here's some information about Life Church. We're so glad you're here. An usher that says, Welcome to Life Church. Can I help you find a seat? It, that, that, that's, that releases blessings in our midst. And so it's the gift of hospitality. It's also where people that can really make some good banana pudding make banana pudding, and we all say, Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm hungry. So the gift of leadership, it's a gift. And if you don't believe that, get involved in a church that has no leadership. It's like a termite and a yo-yo. You're going around and around, but you're not doing anything. Very frustrating. Some of you have incredible giftings of leadership. You, you lead in management. You, you lead companies. You, you, you have these incredible gifts. What are you doing? What are you using them for? God's given you not just to make money. Nothing wrong with that. Not just to bless your family. Nothing wrong with that. But he's given you those gifts to be used for the kingdom. See, these are all gifts, gifts of music. And we see that pretty, pretty honestly. So how do I do this? How do I drink from this cup? Well, let me walk you through a couple things. First of all, you've got to discover your gift. This is what this means to drink from this cup of redemption. If you really believe that God has a plan and a purpose for your life, if you really believe that coming into faith in Jesus Christ lifts you and redeems you from the curse of sin and death, and it sets you free to live the life he's called you to live, then you would want to discover what your gift is. And, and, and so the awesome thing about, be, about your gift is that God gave it to you before you were born. The awesome thing, I'm going to give you a scripture here in just a second. The incredible thing, too, is he didn't put it into you afterwards. He didn't look at you and say, hmm, what can I do with this person? What am I going to do with Randy Seifert? I don't know. I'm going to let him laugh. He laughs really, really, really good. 
No, no, no. He, he gives you this gift and he puts it into you. Psalm chapter 139, verses 13 and 14. It says this. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. For your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. The psalmist says that before you ever breathe your first breath, when you were in your mother's womb, God fearfully and wonderfully made you. That's powerful. See, so God gave you a gift. He, he allowed your life to come into existence because he has a plan and a purpose. I, I don't care if you haven't served God a day of your life. God still brought you into this world because he had a plan and a purpose. You may not be living the plan of purpose. You may not understand the plan of purpose. You may be running from the plan of purpose. But God created you with a plan and a purpose. And it wasn't just to take up space on the planet. It wasn't just to consume oxygen and give off carbon dioxide. It was for you to do great things. Here's one practical way I would say, if you don't know at all, you're like, man, Aaron, I just don't know what my gift is. Go through life track. It's on the back side of the communication card. Check it off on the back side. So I just thought Life Track was just about membership. No, no, no. Life Church, I mean, Life Track is about discovering your spiritual gifts. We actually do a spiritual gift assessment. There are 27 giftings that the Bible says that God has gifted the local church with, meaning you. And so there are those gifts and abilities, and it helps you to understand. We just, it's free. You take this assessment, and it helps you to understand this is where your giftings are. This is what you're really good at. You really have a gifting in leadership. You have a gifting in administration. You have a real passion for evangelism. You have a gift of hospitality. You've got a gift of, 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 of giving. You've got a gift, whatever it may be, for you to understand that. So, so once you get that, what does that mean? And so then what we try to do then is partner you with areas of ministry within the local church that you can exercise or use that gift. You ever been to church where somebody decided that somebody was going to sing and they can't sing? It's just us. Let's just talk for a minute, all right? I've been to church all my life, man. I have seen it all. If these walls could talk. So... I, I mean, I'm just telling you, like, somebody gets up, and, like, they're, they're like, the, the head deacon's daughter, and they can't sing, but the pastor doesn't want to tell the deacon that his daughter can't sing, and, the do- and you know, it's like an American Idol tra- audition, and everybody's like, oh, the dogs are, are about to howl, right? I mean, this can't sing at all, and, and she's kind of belting it out, and she gets louder and louder. There is, it's like, there's no spiritual move of God in that. Do you understand what I'm saying? People go, oh, but isn't that wonderful? No, it's not. No, it's not. You know, back in the day, they used to do these soundtracks. And you would have soundtracks. And so one side was the, just accompaniment. It was just, the, it was just the music only. And the other side then had the artist who actually recorded the song. And every once in a while, they would get it on the wrong side. And sometimes that was good. Because when Sandy Patty and Larnell Harris were singing, We Shall Behold Him. It was good because we got to hear Sandy, Patty, and Larnell sing it because the people on the platform, God bless them, which means, you know what God bless them means? You poor idiot, right? I mean, God bless them. <laughs> they were making a joyful noise, but nobody was being blessed by it. So we just, just turn up Larnell and Sandy, Patty, and let's just praise the Lord for me. I mean, that's what it, here's the deal. They don't have a gift of music. 
but they think that they do. And they're not helping anybody. The reality is, is that those people that were on that platform that couldn't sing, they have an ability. They have gifting. They have purpose. They have great value. It's just not right there. So how do we help them discover their purpose? Let's just pray about it. No, we can pray. That's good. It's not an either or. But let's sit down and let's take a, an inventory of what are the things you're passionate about? What are the things that you're good at? What are the things that you enjoy to do? And let's have some objective assessment that just kind of help you. And let those things come to the top of the surface. Try those things. So you may have a gifting in a particular area, but one ministry doesn't particularly work for you. So you, you try that and you try that because it just takes some time to kind of find your rhythm. That's okay. But my point is, is it's for you to discover your gift. That's what it means for you to drink of that cup of redemption. The second is for you to develop your gift. Not just enough for you to know what it is. It's you've got to develop it. Develop it. It's never perfect when you discover your gift. Your, your gift is never perfect when you discover it. You've got to develop it. Honestly, this is the job of the local church is to help you develop your gift. Ephesians chapter 4 Verse 7 says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ has apportioned it. Go down to verse 11. So Christ gave, him, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to do what? To equip his people for the works of service. See, the reason why I'm here and those five-fold ministry gifts are here in the local church is to equip you to do what God's called you to do. You're not here for me. I'm here for you. This service is not about me. This service is about helping you. It's about equipping you. That passage in Ephesians called, calls you the saints of the church. I'm not the saint. Right? You're the saints of the church. Again, these aren't my words. These are God's. If you don't like it, email God at godahotmail.com. I'm just telling you what he says. The reality is, is it's my job every week to stir you, to encourage you, to provoke you to do good works, to help you figure this out. That's why I'm taking time to talk about this. It's not about we need more people to be in life track. I think there were 27 people last week in life track. It's, it's not that we have to have more people in church membership. There were 50 people last weekend that became members at Life Church. It's not that we need to baptize more people. We baptized over three dozen people just last weekend at Life Church. It's not that we need more people to get saved. There were 524 people that are documented salvation in the last 12 months. My point to you is not about checking a box. My point to you is helping you to discover what is it that God's put inside of you. What are you gifted to do? Because when you understand that, that's a sweet spot. That's where you live in the zone. That's where you operate in the very sweet spot of what God has designed you for. And so when you discover that gift, you have to then develop that gift. And that's what this is about. And so it's more than just us coming together on a weekend service. It's about developing your gift. I mean, I look even at, uh, you know, here at, student, at, at uh, Life Leadership College. Noah Milan, who's one of the guitar players on the weekend service, you know, he's a young man that has a gifting in music and a passion for worship. And over the past couple of years that he's been here in Life Leadership College, he's been growing and developing that gift. And so even one of the songs that we recorded two weeks ago in the live worship album, he wrote. Why? Because we're developing that gift. Nando and the, and the creative team are working with him to develop that gift that's there. How do you develop that? What do you do with that? It's so important for you to develop your gift. I tell guys, young guys sometimes that say, man, I want to become a great communicator. How do I do that? What do I read? What class do I take? And that's when I laugh. I go, if you want to become a great public speaker, you just got to do it. 
You've got to find a place to, to be able just to talk, to be able to speak, to be able to develop. You've got to get honest feedback from people. And, and when I was in Bible college, man, I, I would go to street corners, literally downtown Springfield, and would, and would do anything I could. I, I would go to the, to the uh, rescue mission. I, I would go, go to these little small country churches. Tammy would go with me sometimes. I mean, there, there were times I'd preach weekends. There'd be 25 or 30 people, and we'd drive three hours. And I would preach my guts out Sunday morning, Sunday night, get back in my car, drive three hours to go back to Missouri. Why? Because I was developing the gift that God gave me. It doesn't, nothing falls in place but dirt, right? Nothing likes change but a wet baby. So the reality is, is whatever that gift is that you have, you have to develop it. you got to work it. And there are times you're going to try things that just don't fit you. There are times you're going to try a ministry that just doesn't fit you. That's okay, but you keep working to develop that. That's what we're here to do as a local church. And lastly, you've got to use your gift. You've got to use your gift. You've never really experienced life until you discover your gift that God's given you and you use it for his purposes. You can make all the money you want to make. You can build all the, the businesses you want to build. You can make all the trades. You can do everything you want to do. But there's something that happens when there is a supernatural presence of God that flows through you and the gifting that God's given you to touch somebody else. Purpose is always created every single time. It's not that what you're doing out there is wrong. No, quite frankly, that's how God uses that. It's not that your gifting just needs to be used on the weekend. No, 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 that's too limiting. It, it's because for some of you, that gift is exact. Again, if you have a gift of giving, you're going to maybe exercise giving that gift in the context of a weekend service, but you're going to make those resources outside the local church. Well, that's where that gift is in operation. But when you connect what you're doing outside to what you're doing on the weekend and vice versa, there's this powerful connection. You're not breaking your life into parts of inside church and outside church, but it's all one life. And there's this power when you use your gift. You know, Kevin and Noel Miller uh, just this week got full clearance from the Assemblies of God World Missions, which is the largest Protestant missions organization in the world. There's 67 adherents in the world, and it's the largest missions giving or uh, mission sending organization, Protestant organization in the world. And they were just approved to work for Convoy of Hope Europe. They've been walking through this process since we announced it in the fall. Uh, they've, been, they've been walking through that process, and so they'll be going to uh, Brussels, Belgium, is where they'll be headquartered out of. And, uh, and so um, and they're, they're going to do what God's put in their heart. When they came on staff right out of Bible college six and a half years ago, I hired them to send them out. See, here's the deal is, with, at staff at Life Church, just understand this. We're all here because this is where God's called us to be. And there are times where God moves staff on. That's fine. There are times where staff stays. That's fine. I, I actually like that. And then there are times, though, where we know that for, sometimes we know that in the beginning and sometimes we don't. And Kevin and Noel, one of the reasons I hired them was because they had this passion to want to go into missions. And I just said, if you'll come and spend a few years of your life with us, we will help send you into missions. We will stand behind you as a church family. We, we will help financially. So May, May the, the first and the second, uh, that weekend, 
was going to be kind of a sending weekend that we're going to have for them in about six weeks from now. Well, we're going to have them on the stage, and the whole weekend we're going to tell some of their story and where they're going and what God's doing. We're going to give you an opportunity to financially give and get, and get behind them in that way. We're also going to just kind of bless them that weekend and shower them with some, just some cards and some thank yous, and we're going to have some fun things because that's going to be their last kind of weekend on staff at Life Church. They'll probably be around. They're living in Cedarburg. They'll be around for the next year, but they're having to raise basically $150,000 in the next 12 months. No, no pressure there. And then they can go on the mission field because they've got to raise their finances. So we're going to help them as a church. Here's my point. My point is, is that they were called by God they were gifted by God, and they came here for this season, and they used their gift. And in doing so, they have helped develop so many students, so much ministry, so much missions. Life Leadership College was developed under their, under their leadership while they're here, and we've been so graced to have them. But God is now moving them and sending them, and we're a part of that whole process. And you're actually seeing their life kind of being an example of this using your gift. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, the Bible says that God has given gifts to each one of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. It's your responsibility to manage well the generous gift that God's given you. Are you doing that? There are approximately 600 volunteers at Life Church. It's pretty great. There are 600 people that are committed in some shape, form, or fashion to serving, to finding a ministry, to utilize their gifting that they have. And I want to say thank you for those of you that are doing that. From kids workers to youth workers to phone receptionists, when you call Life Church, typically you're talking to a volunteer to data entry. Because again, spiritual gifts are not just about uh, upfront platform gifts. Many times they're behind the scenes gifts, those gifts of administration. There are counters that count the offering. There are ushers, greeters, parking lot attendants, people that clean the building. Do you know that the building is cleaned by volunteers? Yeah, that's what we do. We try to steward every dollar that you're giving and everything that you're investing in the kingdom in order to get it into life change. It's about life group leaders and worship team and people that are working the audio and the video. And There's a whole crew that are backstage right now that are making sure everything is working in this room the way it should be working. Our purpose is to serve God. Our purpose is, is to serve God by serving people. We become, as, as the Bible says, we become his hands and his feet. And here's my point. Only when you are operating in your gifting, in your area of discovered gift that you've developed and you're serving and using that, are you really living the redeemed life that God called us to? Are you really living and drinking from this cup of redemption. See, we hear that and we just think, oh, that's about salvation. No. What happens in my life is that because of sin and, and flawed flesh, I make mistakes. And I get hung up on all the don'ts. And I never focus on the do's. My purpose, my gifting, the things I'm supposed to be doing. And if I truly am redeemed from this law of sin and death, and I drink from that cup of redemption, what I do is I leverage my talents, my abilities, my God-given giftings, my purpose for his glory. Because I'm telling you, that's how we drink from the cup of redemption. 
That's how we live a redeemed life. A life that once was broken and marred and shattered, now has been fully restored. Like a classic automobile. That's my prayer for you today.